2: middle car hey all right uh we got a conversation with daniel jeremiah on the pod today i've heard of him guy i
0: have heard of him
2: paved the way for you he did i was remember dropping
0: him off at the office and he's like mid i don't think i'm gonna be back here next year and he's the west coast and i was like well i want in I remember that night going to type up a document of all the coaches I knew. Yeah. That would be on that circuit, which I'd go. I was like fifty Fresno State coaches, and then like <laughs> New bachelor at SC. I knew this guy there. I knew this guy there. Even guys like I just like had run into the hallway. I'm like, I know him, you know. And uh, you're I, saying I that was
2: what you presented to the Eagles as like your resume, kind of like this yeah. to make your case. I mean,
0: I was already there. I just I uh, as LeBron once said. I'm coming home. And I just desperately wanted to go home. And, and I was able to. And home, I, I didn't even necessarily know. I was thinking, like, could I live in Vegas? Can I live? In-? I just wanted to come back to the West Coast. Yeah. I, it was time, and it looked good for a minute. And then I was like, I don't know. And then I just remember how he called me to his office. like, it's yours. I just remember, like, not tears, but I was so fucking happy. What do you think? He could have been like, oh, you're going to the West Coast. $10,000. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. The best part, too, about being on the West being a road scout unlike being an in-house scout, is you get, like if your salary is my salary, I had no leverage, so it was like 50000 bucks. It's like, okay. And then you also get a car stipend. So the car stipend was, you know, like 800 bucks or whatever. So you get this extra money. I already had a car, you know. That was cool. And you expense all the miles and food, so it's actually not that terrible. Mm-hmm.
2: This podcast is brought to you by EaseWellness.com. Promo code HAM. That's E-A-Z-E, wellness.com, promo code HAM. It is the CBD home of Paul Pierce's line of CBD, John. He's got his new vape uh, on board, and
0: what I love about it, just ordered some recently, some sleeping, sleeping drops, a couple boop-boop, night-night. They also have some uppers, get the mind going. CBD, I don't want to call it just a craze because it's here to stay. Everyone's using it, All ages. Get on it. If you want to use our promo code, tell your friends about our promo code, easewellness.com, promo code HAM. You get $20 off your first purchase. You get over $50. You get a free delivery. Again, bath bombs, doggy treats, you name it,
2: guy, and Ease Wellness has it. Ease Wellness, E-A-Z-E, wellness.com, promo code HAM. This podcast also brought to you by Upstart. Woo! As many of us have found out the hard way. Getting into debt is easy, especially if you're making scout money. Uh, getting out is hard, especially if your FICO score isn't great. Sky-high interest rates can make it incredibly hard for you to break out of that revolving debt cycle. But thankfully now, there is Upstart.com. Do you ever keep a running balance on your credit card, or are you always at zero? Do I? Is Mike? yeah there's— Doug, You have you have like yes. five, so whatever. You have yes. numbers on money it. Money is owed. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) Me too. Cause my little brother was like, you have money on your credit card? I'm like, yeah, Jeff, it's a credit card. So, I mean, if I don't have all the cash, I paid back whatever I need to be paid back. He's like, what if you get into a pinch, you can't pay it back. I'm like, well, I got things like upstart because I, you could argue right now. I got a lot of, a lot of numbers that are in the red that I owe, whether it's some tax money, whether it's some, this money, whether it's my mortgage. And that's what upstart is guy. It, they believe you're. They don't ding your credit score for just signing up. It's fast, simple, and easy to check your rate, get a low rate. Because we all know that credit card rates are astronomically high. So it's actually cheaper. If you all, let's say, easy number, $20,000 on your credit card. Well, if you're paying 20% interest and you can get $20,000 for Upstart at a much lower number than that, isn't it cheaper to get the money from Upstart and just pay them back and pay off your credit cards? I would say yes, and that's what Upstart would tell you too. So go do it. Over two hundred thousand people have already used it, guy.
2: That's right. Uh, whether it's credit cards, student loans, fund a wedding, make a large purchase, see why Upstart is number one in their category with over three hundred businesses on TrustPilot. Hurry to Upstart.com/slash/ham to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking the rate only takes a few minutes, and like John said, doesn't affect your credit. That's Upstart.com/slash/ham. Woo! How long have you known Daniel Jeremiah now?
0: Uh, met him right when I got to the Eagles, so 2009, 10ish, so yeah, 10, 10ish years. Yeah, yeah, kept him uh, pretty good. And I think we bonded right away because when I got hired, I was a Fresno guy, Cal Paul, you know, West Coast. He's a West Coast guy, so you just you kind of, you know, we're all humans are kind of tribal, right? You just have more in common. Like the two dudes that went to Villanova have something in common than the two guys that live in California have in right, common, right? right so yeah. we
2: just. We hit it off. I'll say this because of you, I've gotten, you know, I've been able to obviously, we've interviewed him a ton. Gotten to, when I see him, I feel good saying, Daniel, what's up? And he's always cool. I would say he is, without question, one of the most high quality people I've met in this business. And there are plenty I'd... of high quality people, but you know him far better than me. And uh, I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't say great things about DJ.
0: Yeah, I'd put him right up there with Haberman.
2: Well, I better I I don't know. It's
0: and he's probably a better human being. Yeah, yeah, right, I don't I don't right. know if I deserve that. Yeah, he's he's as good he's as good as it gets. I mean, in all seriousness, like and we get into it when we're talking to him. Like he is you know, I mean we got a lot of people listening to this podcast and a lot of people, you know, that you've, you've done called games and stuff. He's on NFL network talking about the draft. Like a lot of people now know who he is, right? The number yeah. one sport in America. Right. He and now I mean, his, I wouldn't say his competition, but his like partner who was, and even he'd tell you this, was more famous just because he'd been doing it longer. They kind of built the network around him. Mike Mayock is now gone. So it's like, it's just him. Like when, when the, when the combine happened this year, it was Rich and DJ. And this year at the draft, I remember when he first got to start doing the draft, it was really cool. I'm like, I know this guy. But they used to have him the first couple of years he was doing it, and he signed. I and mean, The year I was still in the NFL, they put him, like, next to Rap Sheet, you know, on that classic, like, we're going to go to our insiders. And he was, like, kind of one of the insiders, even though he was more than that. Mm-hmm. And then he's worked his way to the to the big desk the last couple of years, and now he is – I mean, he's our number one draft analyst. And he's now doing stuff for the Chargers, and he's got a good gig going.
2: Yeah. Um, we got to catch up with him while he was driving his kid back from getting a filling, getting home, taking care of his child, being a father. And, um, so there's a lot we try to cover with him. There's probably a ton more. Has he been on? He's been on the podcast before, right?
0: I don't has know. He's been, ever been on the podcast. He used to come on the radio show. A Definitely lot.
2: used to come on the terrestrial radio show. Yeah. Um, but as you hear us discuss, the game has changed. And so it's great to have him on our pod. Uh, here we go. Anything else to say before we get to him?
0: Let's do it, guy.
2: Daniel Jeremiah, podcaster, NFL network expert, former scout, which is about, you know, there's nothing more impressive in your bio than that. No. Here he is. Let's start with this, DJ. Any truth to the rumor that you and Middlecoff are going back to work, combo, tandem crew, manipulate the media for Howie Roseman, and leave me alone in the media landscape?
1: Um, you know, I can only speak for myself on that guy. Uh, no, I, you know, I'm good. I'm going to stand pat, but you know, I don't know, you know, these sponsors that Middlecoff has for these podcasts, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that could be, that could be seven figure income he'd have to uh, to part ways with. Um, so I would imagine he's probably staying put there, you know, but we're never going to get a straight answer out of him.
0: I, I've been waiting forever to look at Howie and go, yeah, that number's not going to work. Uh, I, am going to need to <laughs> quadruple that bad boy. I, Back when he said, John, you're going to make $37,000. I couldn't have the contract fast enough. So he, he kind of had me, you know, where a guy like you, you're like, you know, I, I like going to NFL Network. I was like, so jealous. And then not by choice, I you know kind of funny? followed your path. You know what?
1: You did. that. You did. But you know what's funny, mid, You mentioned that 37 number. So true story, when I was at the Ravens, my first year I made 30, right? Yeah. And so the second year, keep in mind, I'm married with a child, with a wife that's pregnant with number two, um, making 30. And then my the uh, the next year, we're supposed to get, you know, it's a very small raise. It's supposed to go from 30 to 34. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I get my check, and I'm like, look, I went to App State. I'm not a math guy, but I start doing the math on on what my check is, and I'm, you know, okay, how does this factor out with the course of a year? I'm like, you know, actually, I'm making 36. So they made a mistake in my contract. It said 34, but in actuality it's 36. So I go to our our contract guy, our salary cap guy, and I go, hey, uh, I don't know if there's a mistake. Like you need to fix the contract because you know I'm I'm making 36, but the contract says 34. He goes, you're making 36. You're not supposed to be making 36. And they took the money out of my contract to put me back to the 34. (laughs) I was such a dummy. I went and confessed that they paid me accidentally an extra $2,000.
0: I mean, I mean, (laughs) how could the Ravens have kept going, you know, without that extra two Gs? No, and we had just signed Jonathan Ogden to, like, the largest contract any offensive lineman's ever signed. And I'm like, look, I know
1: I'm not Jonathan Ogden. I know my value is, is, is limited. But, I mean, on the scale, like, if he's worth, you know, if he's worth, you know, $70 million, I mean, an extra $2,000 doesn't seem like it's that much to ask for.
2: DJ, what was the biggest difference in your lifestyle then versus now? Making 30000 working in the NFL. Oh.
1: Uh, the, oh, I'll tell you the, the biggest difference is I had I had windows in my car that actually rolled up and down. That was a, that was a major difference. Um, that was a big upgrade. When you're uh, when you've got a 1994 Honda Accord um, where the windows don't really work very well and the air conditioning's a little spotty, um, it's not a good life experience in the summers in Baltimore. Uh, in fact, I can tell you, I, I went. And we signed Cordell Stewart, uh, and this is obviously the, the tail end of his career. But we brought him in. And I picked him up at the airport in that '94 Accord with with cruddy air conditioning and windows that don't work. And uh, needless to say, as soon as he saw my car, he had a good idea that he was going to be making the league minimum uh, when uh, when I picked him up. That his big money days were over.
0: You you know, you know what's crazy is like you get into the first get into the business. I remember being so thought it was so cool that I got to take home dinner every night because I would just make a to-go plate to eat for dinner. Uh, and, and now, and I know you, you know, I'm watching your guy right now on NFL Network, Joe Douglas, getting introduced. And I talked to Savage about this a couple of weeks ago, that the amount of people now getting into the NFL, because the money now for personnel people and coaches is so stupid, that it's hard to tell, like, when you got into the NFL, you and Joe Douglas were just grinding because you just wanted to work in football. Now, I mean, he's a guy, he just signed for like $3.3 million. I would imagine when you guys were you just grinding in the mid-2000s, you never in your wildest dreams imagined that one day... You know, run teams, make all this money. You're just trying to make it to the next day, you know? The funny thing is, is uh, you know, Joe's been
1: a real a close buddy of
0: mine for, gosh,
1: going back to 2003, so 16 years. And, and the happiest I've ever seen Joe in 16 years was the first time i met him. Because the first time I met him was was the realization he had that he didn't have to do airport pickups anymore. Um, and They didn't have to print out cards uh, for the draft board anymore. Because he had served in that role for, gosh, two or three years as the personnel assistant. And so when me and Jeremiah Washburn got hired, that, that relieved him of those duties. So I think that's actually one of the reasons why we've maintained such a friendship. Because he's still so grateful that that got him out of those duties.
0: You know, on a serious note, there were some rumors you know, and I know you tweeted about it, like you would jo- join Joe. There was before, I think even before Joe took the Eagles job, you go back to Howie. It feels like, like you said, you're pretty happy in what you're doing. Any any chance DJ makes a comeback this year, or are we going to see him on <laughs> NFL Network uh, this fall? Uh, 100% uh, chance I
1: will be on NFL Network unless they unless they replace me. Um, so, no, I, I'm happy. I, I like this uh, mix, this life mix that I have right now. Um, you know, I can I can watch tape and, and study players and be involved in the game, um, get a chance to talk about them on, on TV and on a podcast, and then um, get a chance to then go watch my kids and their sporting events, do a little swimming. Uh, we had s'mores last night. I wasn't really worried about an, uh, an OTA practice if uh, if anybody's going to get hurt. I was just making sure I got that marshmallow to a nice, crisp uh, uh, flavoring without overdoing it. That was my big concern last night.
2: Uh, you know, speak, speaking of Joe, uh, GMs, drafts, free agency, these are this is some of fans' favorite part of the sport. But it's also kind of the most mysterious. Like, we watch the players. We know everything the players are doing. We watch the coaches. We know what they're doing. <laughs> What is a DJ that makes, in your mind, Joe Douglas good, that makes a GM good, that makes an evaluator good? Like, what is the struggle when you're an owner trying to figure out, is this next GM that I'm hiring going to be great, or am I going to be looking for a new one in two years?
1: Well, I I think it, first of all, starts with having a philosophy and some core beliefs, and they can be different. I mean, we've seen a a lot of different ways to build a team, to build a personnel department, um, and to build a championship organization. Um, but you've got to have a detailed plan of how you want to do it. And I, I think that, you know, in Joe's case, having spent 15 years in Baltimore and kind of immersed in the way Ozzie Newsom does things, and, and, and Phil Savage helped set that thing up as well, um, having that background, he knows what he wants and what he likes. And and you can look at some of the things uh, they were able to do in Philadelphia there with, with Howie and, and Andy Weidel and, and that group, Tom Donahoe, doing a nice job there. Um, they They were able to... Take some of those similar principles. It's a line of scrimmage league, um, so you get somebody that, from a team-building philosophy, believes in investing heavily in the offensive and defensive line. Obviously, you got to find the quarterback, but that's kind of the foundation for what you see on the field. And then the GM role is, is a lot bigger than what you see in terms of, of the players you put on the field. It's the communication inside the building. Um, and, admit, uh, you know this so well, man, having somebody there that can – uh, be able to communicate with the medical staff, the training staff, the video staff, um, and make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, and, and everybody is up to speed on on what your goals are. I think that's huge. And I think if you look at some people that have failed in the GM role, um, some of them has nothing to do with, you know, the draft or free agency. It's they, they didn't really manage the building properly. And that's, uh, and
0: that's the biggest adjustment for a lot of guys when they step into that role. And you know this i mean in the nfl definitely in the media is no different it feels like ego i mean has taken down a lot of men and you work for if, yeah. i mean i don't know him but it always you've always said and everyone's always said ozzy ozzy i mean the guy's a hall of fame player uh super bowl yeah. champion gm had no ego and that's what you said about joe Like, and you see it around tom telesco i was listening to your interview with him the other day he seems like a pretty high level guy you know I mean, that's yeah. uh, he's, he's he's pretty impressive
1: it's so it's so true, uh, you know, mid. And the, the I was reading a book, and honestly, I can't even remember exactly which one it was recently, but um, it talked about you know being effective leaders and and the uh, the three things that you want to have. And a lot of this you can find you're trying to find this in players as well. But it was three things: if you can get guys that are hungry, that are humble, and that are smart, um, those are those are kind of the bedrock of a great leader. And really, if you're even looking at players, guys, you want to bring in. You want guys. That are still hungry trying to get better. the great players that we've had a chance to be around, uh, we're always trying to get better. they' they know they don't have all the answers. Um, and I think that's the same from the personnel side and and I'm glad you picked that up from talking to Tom because um, or listening to that Tom interview because getting to know him doing these charger games for the last year uh, and being around him, man, he does not he does not have an ego. He's always trying to learn and get better. and he mentioned specifically, you know last year, Everybody remembers the Ravens playoff game, and they they played with all DBs. Yeah. There's no linebackers healthy enough, and they didn't like what they had. So they played with DBs. They won a football game, uh, which is, you know, hats off to the coaching staff and Gus Bradley for figuring that out. But Tom took that as, you know, hey, gosh, I, I've got to build more linebacker depth so we don't have to put our coaches in this situation again. And he and he readily admits that, and he went out and got that done in, in the offseason. So the, the second
0: you think you've got it all figured out or you got all the answers, you're in big trouble. Well, I, I'm going to come back to you now. Obviously, your profile has grown dramatically. You know, obviously, this year with Mike leaving, but even the last four or five years just being a stalwart on NFL Network, you're about as humble of a guy I know, but... You know, fame's fame and just people recognizing you. I mean, the NFL is so big. I mean, you're, you're talking about the most famous league by far and some of its most important, the most imp- second most important date, arguably, beside the Super Bowl is the draft. Now you're the king of it. You fight, you shake that at all? I mean, or does it even unfazed you just because your family and you just naturally, it, it's easy for you? Is, is that something that you've even noticed?
1: Well, I look, I mean, I don't, I'm not any kind of a big celebrity. I mean, you go, to, you, go to the, uh, you go to the NFL events if you're at the draft, and you'll have some people that recognize you. But I, I will say this, Mid, and maybe, and Guy, I'm sure you've been around guys like this, um, <laughs> talk about being humble. I would say it's, it's a 50-50 ratio when somebody comes up to you and says you take a picture. I would say 50% of the time they're handing me the phone to take a picture of them and their friend, their spouse, uh, or or somebody else that they're interested in uh, versus can you take a picture? I'm actually going to be in the picture. Uh, so
2: we haven't got to the point where that's become much of an issue. So so, are you saying that you recently assumed you were going to be in a photo and then the person was confused <laughs> oh. as to why you assumed that? I, there was one there th- that has happened several
1: times. The one time it's worked in my favor, and I bring this up to Charles Davis all the time. If you guys know Charles, he's like – he is the best human being. Um, he's one of the most talented uh, broadcasters I've ever had the, the the good fortune to work with, and, and can do so many different things. But uh, we had finished up at the Senior Bowl, and uh, we were in the we were in the airport, uh, walking to our gates. Uh, we were on different flights, but kind of walking to our gates, and somebody stopped us and said, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And so we both kind of assumed they kind of put us together. We had just called the Senior Bowl game. Uh, but keeping in mind, this is, this is Charles Davis voice of the Madden football game, which everybody, and their mother plays, um, the number two, uh, team on Fox with Eric Burkhart Cohen, you know, calling NFL playoff games for crying out loud. Um, he's called BCS national championship games. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than Charles Davis. And the guy says, can I get a picture? And, uh, and, and we said, sure. So he hands Charles the picture and then, and grabs my shoulder and wants to take a picture with me. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> Finally, I have got it. This guy literally does not know. I don't know how he does not know who Charles Davis is, but somehow he knows me, and so I hit him with that all, all the time.
0: DJ, I loved your take on McGlinchy's lateral quickness. I got to get a photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You know what's cool though
1: is like the uh, I, more people, and I think it's and you guys know what you're doing in, in in the new media space. I get I get stopped by more podcast listeners
0: than I do TV uh, watching. It's, cra- it's crazy,
1: yeah, yeah. Isn't that um, nuts?
0: It is. The game's changed, man. Game's changed.
2: But Before we get into some like current stuff, I did want to ask you one thing since you mentioned Charles Davis. I didn't know this about Charles until I went back and was looking at this. He was on the call of your alma mater, App State, yes. defeating Michigan 34-32, to one of the great upsets in the history of college football. Do you remember watching that game? Uh, you would you were long, you were I, gone from App State by then, but do you remember watching it? Okay, guy. Anytime you want to bring this up, I'm happy to discuss
1: it. Uh, the uh, I was I was watching it at home for a little bit, and it was close game. And, and mind you, I've seen you know I was a part of it. We beat Wake Forest twice when I was there, but it wasn't a huge win. We had Auburn on the ropes when I was there. We should have beat them, and then, and then we ended up not finishing the game. We think we lost twenty two to fifteen or 22-17, something like that. But then they had had in succession like. Several of these near uh, massive upsets they hadn't been able to pull off. So I'm watching the game against Michigan, and and, and we're doing well and jump on them, and Michigan comes back. And I'm still in the back of my mind thinking this thing is going to uh, it's going to end poorly. You know they're gonna you know Michigan will end up coming back and winning. So I had some errands to do. I had to go to a kids furniture store to buy beds. So I'm in the I'm following this game on my phone. Like one of the first times you could actually like follow games on your phone. And I'm following it on my phone, and uh, and I'm I'm in the parking lot of this children's furniture store when uh, when they complete the long pass. I think it was to Mario Manningham to set up the field goal yeah. to win it, and then it got blocked. Um, uh, App State blocked it, and the game was over. So I was I was going nuts in the parking lot of this children's furniture store. I never even put it together. I didn't know who Charles Davis was at that time, um, but then obviously we've worked together for. For seven years now, and become very close friends, and anytime the three of us go out to dinner uh, with Rich Eisen, myself, and Charles Davis, you've got one guy who who's the best day of my life when they beat Michigan, and Charles called the game the first game on Big Ten Network, and it was Rich's worst day ever. So it makes for a fun conversation. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, I got a two part question here. Where when was the first time you either heard rumblings or you saw that Mayock was going to the Raiders? Um, I talked to Mike. We had talked, uh, maybe a month or
1: so, uh, before everything kind of went down. And, uh, and he was asking me a bunch of questions about different scouting things. Just, uh, you know, Hey, I'm talking to a bunch of different people. And if you were, you know, when you're setting up a department or when you're doing this, and it was kind of, I said, Mike, that's kind of an unusual, uh, question to ask. Uh, you know, I said, what's going on? And he goes, I don't know, you know, if I'm going to have all my ducks in a row, if there's an opportunity that, that presented itself, I'd be, uh you know i you know i want to be ready to go so he i could tell he had really you know he was really getting uh ready for an opportunity that might happen he didn't tell me what team or who it was or what it was but i knew he had had some you know some stuff got out about him and the redskins you know a oh, couple yeah. years before and and we'd had lots of conversations uh, over the years about you know do you want to do it when's the right time and um, I knew he always, you know, if for the right opportunity, he wanted to really scratch that itch to find out what that was like. Um, so, you know, when this whole thing, once the – there weren't many openings, if any, right? I think that was the only one. Well, they just they just um, happened so in the last I, month. Yeah, yeah. Then we just had two more. But uh, but at that point in time, once the Raiders thing happened, I kind of put two and two together and thought, okay, this, this would make some sense that, uh, that that could be a spot for Mike. And then it happened real quick.
0: So once he goes, then do you – Obviously, you your role had been steadily growing, but now he's just gone. Do yeah. you start thinking. Yeah. Well, I mean, am I going to be in the booth with Rich? Would do you does your agent? Do you call and how? What does it, do they talk to you the next week? Like, how, how do things happen? I was in.
1: Uh, I went into the office. And I don't remember honestly if it was a day after. It was, it was definitely within that week. And I went in and uh, and had a couple conversations with people that that. Um, you know that I report to that said, hey, this is going to be, uh, you know, we're bummed to see Mike go, but this is going to be a great opportunity for you. Let's get get ready to go, like it's it's go time. And uh, and then soon thereafter, I just kind of, you know, it was confirmed. Okay, this is what your role is going to be. Um, and and I'll be honest with you, the cool thing about about our network, and maybe it's this way everywhere. I don't know. Um, this is the only place I've really worked in this industry. But I mean, guys, they they were just like, what do you need research wise? What do you need um, uh, preparation wise? Getting ready to do all these exo tapes that we were going to do at the at the All Star Game and the Combine. Um, had a guy uh, Ben Fennel, who's uh, if you guys follow him on
0: Twitter, yeah, I he's a do great
1: follow, and Ben's great. And so he he Ben was basically. Um, I was so fortunate that anything I needed from an XO standpoint, I could get with Ben and he got, we got working on that immediately. We had a researcher named Jack Andrade that kind of assigned to me and anything I needed to, he helped me. So it was, you know, I made it. you get to stand made there Yeah. far as like, man, <laughs> the resources, this is fantastic. Uh, but you know, you get to stand up and be kind of the front guy, but there's, there's so many people propping us up. And that was when I was like, okay, this is pretty cool, man. Because um, you know, I would have, like just little projects i was curious about and so i'd be like jack can you look this up I'm like sure he would do all his research and give it to me like all right what do you plan on using that for i'm like nah it's just curious man this is like getting a new toy getting to play with a new toy man it's so fun
2: you know uh speaking of propping people up we were uh, excited around here in the bay area to see that you picked uh the 49ers as your your big stock to bet on the other day um we talked to george kittle on the podcast dj and Talk to him about Kyle Shanahan and, and what he thinks of Kyle, and, and he gave us multiple examples from plays last year where Kyle told him what was going to happen before it happened. Basically, he would say, like, just as long as you don't trip on this play, it's going to be whatever, a big play. Um, so what do you think of Kyle? We know what we think of him as a play caller. What do you need to see from him as a head coach, or do you need to see anything else from him? Do you already believe he's a very good head coach?
1: I think he's I, – I think, look – I think he's going to be outstanding. Um, the poor guy just needs people to stay healthy around him. Um, you guys said if I saw that interview, by the way, it was phenomenal. Um, the, the information you're able to get, and I think there was another one too, was Austin Hooper uh, was talking about it a little bit during the during the Falcons days about telling yeah. exactly what was going to happen. Um, so, and I know player, I know guys that have played for him and played the quarterback position, and uh, and just rave about him. So, uh, you know, I think look. He, the quarterback, the head coach thing, you know, you know, it's, look, are you going to give the rah-rah speech? Probably not. I don't think that's who he is. Um, but go out there and score a boatload of points and let the defense take care of itself, I mean, that's kind of the formula in the NFL right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm big on him. I think they all stay healthy. They're going to have a monster year. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I, I, it's always – and this is the time of year, right, where everybody's got their big hot take, you know, like what's the most outlandish thing you can say about – I don't even think it's a stretch. Do you guys think it's a stretch? I mean,
0: this team wins. If this team went 11 and 5 next year, would you guys be shocked? Well, we've been at practice the last couple weeks, and, and the thing that jumps out is like they're top Jimmy, Kittle, McGlinchy, you know, D Ford, Bosa. Like they got, some, they got impact guys now, Sherman. But you, mm-hmm. I, you, when you were talking with Telesco, you're like, the thing I noticed when I go to practice, your team is deep. This team is not yeah. deep. You know? So Bosa yeah. goes down, yeah. McGlinchy goes down, Jimmy rolls, you know, they're in trouble fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, like no, that's they, a good they point. have the high-end talent. It's just the And I'd you know, add, how how good is Debo Samuel is going to be a big deal for them, too.
0: Yeah. He's made he looks yeah. awesome at practice, but you know, can they can they get 75 catches out of him as a rookie?
2: Yeah, I think it'll be touches. I
1: think you're going to see. He's going to be their speed sweep guy and do all that stuff. How, how, I mean, you evaluated him pretty closely. How good is he? Yeah. He's good. You know, the thing that was interesting at Clemson, it was more get the ball in his hands, you know. It wasn't going to wow you with as a route runner. It was just this guy's just an athlete, you know. Just get him the ball, pitch him the ball, get him a bubble screen, a tunnel screen, get the ball in his hands. And he kind of you kind of uh, put him kind of in that box. And then you go to the senior bowl where they ask these guys to run every route under the sun, and he was phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a challenge in the scouting process is you're like, just because a guy hasn't done something doesn't mean he can't do something. Um, he just wasn't asked to do that in that offense there at South Carolina. So, uh, I thought after seeing what he did at the Senior Bowl and then and then adding to that what I know
0: about him as a competitor, how tough he is and how good he is with the ball in his hands, I'm like, gosh, this guy could be really, really good. I don't know if you saw the quotes, but like a week ago or a couple weeks ago, Joey made a comment about, you know, he told the Chargers he wanted to do his own thing. This one when he originally signed because he felt more comfortable. And he's like, if Nick hadn't been forced to do stuff at this Niner practice, maybe he wouldn't have gotten hurt. I mean, DJ, I was standing right there when he hurt his hamstring. Yeah. They were doing basic yeah. getoffs, right? D. D Ford, yeah. Buckner, I mean, hundreds of million dollars worth of players are standing right doing the same thing, and mm-hmm. they're fine. I, I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, I get Nick Bosa. I know you were a fan, and everyone I know in the league that yeah. I trust is a fan. But when I see his mm-hmm. body type – it looks like he's kind of maxed out physically. And then again, his first freaking practice, just doing basic get-offs, the hammy goes. I honestly kind of felt bad for yeah. him. You know, I, I just Yeah, don't, look. You
1: know? No, look, and that's, and that's... Look, there's a legitimate concern. You can love a player, as I do. I know I'm higher on him than you are. You can love a player and also acknowledge what the concern is. And wow, the health thing is the concern. I mean, that that's not something you want to see for him to go down uh, as quickly as he did. Uh, but my only thing with him in terms of as a player is you know i'm old enough to remember when joey came out it wasn't that long ago <laughs> and i have had conversations with a lot of the same people i mean the exact same people that when he, they were like you're too high on joey bosa he's not that athletic he's not this he's not that i'm like dude pass rush is not a 40 time pass rush is an art form and that guy is an artist and i think is i think i think nick is too um but it's, they they've both got to stay healthy, and that's been Joey's issue, and now we'll see if Nick can stay healthy. But if he does stay healthy, especially when you get a chance to line him up next to Buckner,
2: good luck. All right, we want to go a little speed round here. We know you got a, a kid who just got a, a dental procedure to, to get home. Uh, so we'll just go speed around. we <laughs> yeah. go ham, and fire a bunch of questions at you. I saw, So I'll, I'll start. I saw that you said that one of your big disagreements with Joe Douglas was you argued for Chevy Chase. He argued for Bill Murray back yeah. in whatever year, the early 2000s. and. And over time, yeah. you proved out to be wrong. Do you remember any significant disagreements with John Middlecoff? Oh gosh, uh,
1: disagreements with Middlecoff. Um, well, we disagreed about the athleticism of a of a of a uh, coach's kid up in Fresno, but that was a, that's another story. Oh, I've seen that
0: video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I couldn't make it through the whole. I almost made it
0: through the whole interview, John. I almost made it through the whole uh, interview without mentioning that. Slow feet, you know. I got slow feet keith williams kid right yeah i mean the guy just played division one football so i mean
1: yeah there you go so you were you were kind of redeemed through that whole process
0: the best is the most talented 13 year old kid in the country possibly exactly okay uh biggest you're a big san diego guy i know the la chargers now but biggest san diego mess up for a a coach manager Bochi or schottenheimer Oh, uh,
1: getting rid of Boach. Watching Boach win all those World Series up there with you guys has
0: been tough. Yes, it's been a challenge for the Padre fan, given that they you guys. I oh, mean, you I, might give him back to
1: us now. You, you guys, guys are list. Yeah. now. Bochy's I mean, done.
0: Bring him back. He's coming back. He'd be he'd be available. The team's not bad. Yeah. Get Flannery I mean, back too. Let's Get the whole band
2: back together. I don't uh, know. I don't know. If you've seen Flannery. He's he's, he's, he's might have lost it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, who is there a guy out there that you scouted, DJ, that did not yeah. become a star or did not become great that you are still to this day convinced that his circumstances were bad, you were right about him, he could have been good, it just didn't come together for whatever reason?
1: Yeah, every player I've ever missed on, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, uh, no, I still think there's ones like the injury guys. Like I, I go down and say, okay, I, Kevin White, if Kevin White doesn't break his – foot and have major issues with his lower body. Like, this guy was 6'3", 220 pounds. He ran in the 4 threes. He was competitive. Like, I still and I concede, okay, Amari Cooper, I get it. I had him 2 and 3. I had Kevin White 2, Amari Cooper 3 in that draft, and Amari Cooper was the right choice. Don't get me wrong on that. But I think Kevin White could have been a good pro if they'd been hurt so much.
0: Well, the the argument wasn't getting as crazy until Gruden traded him. It was starting to look a little bit better in your favor, and then Gruden sent him to the Cowboys, and he... He's burst back on the scene. That yeah, uh, wasn't
1: looking good. I mean, I appreciate you being nice. We yeah, I'm really good
0: trying to good be fun, but Cooper was not performing up to his standards. There at the yeah, end two, pro, two Pro Bowls off the first two years. Uh, let's go yeah. uh, Daniel Kuyper's way too early 2020 draft. The number one overall pick is? Oh, okay. I'll say,
1: and again, way early. This could all change in a big way. Um, if a team needs a quarterback, I'll still say it'll be Herbert. I know he's not a finished product. He's got to clean some stuff up. But he's so big and athletic and talented. You know, I, I'll, I'll go there.
0: Fair to say the top three guys in some order are Fromm, Tua, Herbert, that group? Yeah,
1: I haven't done much on Fromm. I've, I've watched a good bit of Tua. Um, Fromm, people, you'd be surprised. Like, that's the one. That's the polarizing one. Some people love him, and some people think he's like a – he's just a guy. So that, that's going to be one I'm looking forward to watch.
0: That'll be fun, man.
2: Uh, what, what do you think of Tua as a pro?
1: I think he's going to be really good. I, I think anticipation, touch, accuracy, uh, all outstanding. I don't think he has a huge, huge arm. He's obviously not the biggest guy in the world, but um, the way the game is right now, I think he's going to be
0: really good. Splash Bros or Kobe and Shaq? Um, hmm,
1: that's a good. That's a good one. I'll go prime. I'll go prime Kobe and Shaq. But that's just their, you know, in their prime, prime. Uh, years
0: just because
1: Shaq was it was any I mean he's just dominant in there. True.
2: Splash Bros easier. To I do can't argue though. again. I yeah. can't
0: argue. I mean the Splash Bros are like the everyday man. They're more yeah. relatable. I'll give you that one hundred percent. I was out to dinner the other day and like uh, again I was eating the bar menu. So Ruth Chris with a buddy and uh, they're like uh-huh. oh yeah Clay Thompson was just eating here the other day. We're like oh who's he here with a bunch of friends? No they're like oh, he just came by himself. <laughs> I mean this, I this was literally uh, he's my, my favorite player. He's
1: my favorite player. He's my favorite NBA player right now, though. It's, it's not Steph, it's Clay for me. Just because as a casual observer of the NBA, uh, not have any allegiance, I, I feel like every big game, the Warriors are in every big game over the last five years. And every, like, big game, got to have it. Like, that guy is so money in the uh, in the big moments. And he's kind of, like, always mentioned as, like, the third or fourth guy there. I'm like, I don't know, man. If my paycheck was on the line and it's a big one, I'll put it on that guy.
0: When everyone has a story like, oh, yeah, I took my kid to Avengers, and Clay was just in the corner. Like, oh, I went to the dog park, and Clay <laughs> was
2: just by himself. Like, he's just a man of the people. I love it. <laughs> Out about. I love it. Well, DJ, thanks. we appreciate it.
1: No, you guys are the best, man. I wish I could do it for another uh, another hour. I got to go get this kid a little uh, milkshake or a smoothie or something. Are you going to double down and get yourself I one? mean, I, I honestly think, H- Haberman, be honest your dad in the, uh, as an orthodontist. Yeah. Did he also own like a bunch of Jamba juices on the side? Yeah. Yeah.
2: He had a free candy shop right next door. Everything <laughs> was buy one, get two. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Double the sugar. Come on yeah. back.
2: That, yeah. that actually be genius to have like an ice cream shop right
0: next well, to your dental Yeah, st- You know how like every, hey, hey,
1: I kid you not, I I'm not making this up
2: now that I think of it. His dentist next door to a donut shop. That is a true story, 100 fact. I mean, wow. There's this in Seattle, like all the good restaurants are by this guy named Tom Douglas, and he clusters them like he yes. always puts like three. That'd be genius if you're yeah. a dentist, just to cluster restaurant. <laughs> right. Baskin Robbins. Baskin Rob. Soda machine. Yes. Baskin Robbins. Yes. Yeah. Like a Fred Ruckers or something. Oh. Yeah, Fred Ruckers. That's
1: so
0: good. I, I love
2: it. Uh, all right, man. All
1: right,
0: you
2: guys are the best, right. man. Thanks, bro. Have a good day. All right, we'll see you later. All right, there is uh, there is DJ. I love that he calls you mid. So much. is he the only person that calls you mid? No, a couple other guys back in uh, in Philly area. Philly, calls, like a lot of people called you yeah. mid.
0: J mid, mid. J mid, yeah. I like a lot of different, you know, J middle turf. What's
2: funny is like I have you in my phone as middle. I never call you that, but that's what yeah. it's been in my phone since I don't know whatever year I got a phone. Two thousand three. I mean, what year did you get a cell phone? Mm ninety-nine
0: probably.
2: Wow. Middle costs were progressive. Well, it was more so they could always just keep fucking getting a hold of me. I mean they were just on top of it. 99. Like I would bet you were on the they were on the cutting
0: edge, front edge. I remember having one no, I mean eighth grade, ninth grade. Damn. Maybe it was ninth grade. So yeah, ninety nine. I don't think I got one until like I don't think I got one till I, after high school until I, like oh, I remember a ninth grade snake on my phone. Wow. A little, but I do remember Nokia, yeah. The Nokia, once texting started, which would have been like our junior or senior year, and it was 10 sets of mm-hmm. text. Guys, I don't think quite text as much, but I just remember texting this girl at the time. and Oh my god, I just vividly remember I worked for my dad in summer doing stuff on the ranch, and I was like driving a tractor, and my dad was coming, I swear to god, 100 miles an hour. Out of one window was his hand with a piece of paper in the wind, and it was the phone bill. And the bill, and this is the other thing, like you're coming after a guy to scream out about a bill, I don't have any money. So he knows that. He is so angry because the bill was like $750. And this at the time, like cell phones were still relatively new. And it's one thing to do, like if I'm calling China or whatever, but he sees these things called text messages. He doesn't know what they are. And it added up. My bill was just like thirty dollars flat, or whatever it was, and right. then I had seven hundred dollars worth of text messages. It's like, Dad, I'm trying to get laid here, I'm trying to text people. Well, I don't. What
2: do you want me to say? You know, scream at me. And he did. And he did. He was furious. I didn't. I, I didn't get mine until 'o three. So I had a similar experience, but my dad was three hours away. He was yelling at me over the phone for text messages. Yeah, same deal.
0: Well, because they were like te- they were like ten cents or something after the hundred. Think how many text messages you send every day.
2: I know. Uh, all right, things that DJ said. I'm, gl- I'm
0: glad we I'm glad we've uh,
2: figured out how to just give it like ten dollars for the month. Uh, what'd you think? What what stood out to you? Things Daniel Jeremiah said.
0: Uh, one guy, because I think casually, at least just on Twitter. People that watch college football just go, Jake Fromm is a big-time guy. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really asked many NFL people about it. He's much more on top of that, obviously. But him saying he's a little bit of a polarizing guy. And the one thing I could see is he's a little smaller, you know, for being a quote-unquote, like, too a small. But I, he, I wouldn't say too as viewed as like a pocket quarterback, kind of this hybrid. He's smaller. I, I don't think he's got a great arm, but it's not a bad arm. I think the knock, I would imagine if you dug even deeper, they go, we run the ball a lot. Yeah, we got NFL backs, but we don't trust him as much. Because, I mean, they had two guys get drafted in the top 100, and the knock on the Georgia wide receivers was, why didn't they get more passes? Well, they didn't throw. Well, I thought they got the number one overall pick coming next year. Now, the counter might be, if you're in the Fromm camp, well, they got this meathead coach that just wants to run run the ball and play defense, and it's worked out pretty well for Kirby. But it's not like you would call Kirby exactly Lincoln-Riley offense. I think I, you can just see, though, where like Tua's not going to be that polarizing in the sense of like the offense, the scheme. It's just going to be can he play or not. I think there's going to be a lot of, well, does Kirby trust him? Well, does Kirby know what he's talking about when it comes to quarterbacks? Well, what's up with their offense? Do they believe in him? Well, what does that staff even know? Like, I think there are going to be a lot of different angles, where with Tua it's just going to be like,
2: is he good enough, right? Yeah, so – this is not specific, but from what I've heard, it, I think the, 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 the quickest way to sum it up is people are going to wonder. One of the big questions with Fromm is going to be, is he maxed out as a, as a player? But I How mean, many
0: games has he won in two years? You know, how, he's made big plays. I mean, it's it?
2: really impressive. But I think the question is going to be, how much better is he going to get? How strong is his arm? Is he just like a college gamer, or is he really a pro that's going to continue to develop? Um, That might not be totally fair to him, but I think that's that is from the people that I've heard criti- criticize him as a pro. I know that's not really specific, but that's kind of been the thing I've heard. Well, I, just I kinda... got one
0: guy. I was gonna guess
2: because just hearing you talk about it, and again, we can, we've
0: seen this type player before, like the conversation. I was gonna be like, I bet he's thrown through two years as a full time starter you know, 30 touchdowns, you know, maybe 12 his freshman year, and last year, you know, maybe 22. Uh -uh. He's thrown 54! Yeah. Last year, is his sophomore year, where Georgia was un-freaking-real, he threw 30-6. and
2: And he was what, 65, 66 completion?
0: 67, so he's averaged through two years 65%. So you go, well, I've watched him, and it goes, I kind of see it. And then I check his stats, I'm like, damn now you could throw the curveball. Well, while the sec east sucks right because it, it's not the west it's not he's depending on the year i don't think the last two years they have only played dam once now he's played them but he played them in the in the sec championship he plays florida tennessee like all those schools are down like really the the team that was in the mix to win the division this year with georgia was kentucky like that side of the division is not lsu it's not Bama, it's not A and M, it's not Mississippi State. So I get it, but on paper, guy, I've just casually watched him two or three times, and every time I've watched him, he's looked awesome. On paper, he looks fucking even better. I mean, at Georgia, giving a run-first defensive level school, he's 54 and 13 in two years as a starter when he's 18 and 19 years old. When you say on paper, he looks pretty damn good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going through his game logs right here. Alabama 16 to 32, one touchdown, two picks. 2017 Alabama. Uh, 2017 Oklahoma, 20 of 29, two touchdowns, no picks, 210, 210 yards. Auburn 2017 as a freshman, 16 to 22 for 183, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, last year Texas in the bowl game, 21 to 35, three touchdowns, one pick. Alabama, uh, 25-39, at three touchdowns, no picks, 300 yards, and a loss. He was great in that game.
0: He was uh, – I remember reading this. It was last year, but he was out fishing when a hook
2: got stuck in his leg. He oh, lost yeah. Him. It was like, are we
0: sure that was it? Was he a little wasted? Not that anyone cares, but
2: uh, – How about DJ saying that, like, the other part of that was confident that two was going to be a good pro? He says he's watched them a lot. Uh,
0: again, I, I don't watch the SEC as much as, like, the Joe Douglases of the world. But it feels like they're just TV scouting that I kind of like from, at least equally as Tua. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. Because, again, once we go, okay, you're coming out. Remember two years ago, Sam Darnold, this guy's a badass. And then it's like, he's draft eligible like what is wrong with his turnovers what is going on with this loopy release what's up with this he's kind of got chubby midsection you start getting picked apart you know and and I talked to Phil a couple weeks ago he's like well Tua is going to experience the first time true negativity from the national media cuz it's all based on well, we're viewing you now as a pro you're no longer just Alabama's quarterback right are you going to be the number 1 pick in the draft and i know you've talked you've done his games Herbert, definitely more than these two, has flown under the radar the most, right? These guys, I think Tua would say, well, I've already been kind of getting picked apart. Nothing, what's coming, but definitely they feel it. Like you don't think in Athens, Georgia, Jake Fromm's like, this is a big deal. Like people, people talking about me, good or bad. Right. You know, I feel the pressure. You know, and I think Herbert is a much lower level. Well, this year it's, it's on. I mean, it's really on for the to me the two SEC guys. And depending on how good Herbert's team is, because if they're like eight and four, he'll still be talked about a lot. But their team won't be as like these two teams in Bama and Georgia are locks to be really good. Herbert's team might, but they also might not be right. Like if Georgia and Alabama, if it were November 1st and they're both not top five teams, wouldn't you be surprised? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what it feels But I will say, but I will
2: say like, I think Oregon's got some, I think Oregon is going to be the pick to win the Pac-12 North this year. Um, but I,
0: I'm just saying, I'm not saying that they couldn't, they easily could be right there, but they're the, of the three most likely to be like, oh, they're not even ranked anymore. For sure.
2: But I also think there's going to be a lot of like what Daniel said in the podcast, Daniel, uh, when you asked him to be DJ Kuyper Jr. Who's going to go number one, Herbert. And I think there's going to be a lot of that out there. I think, those two guys, if their teams are playing well, what it means is that their teams are getting judged also. If Oregon's 8-4, the spotlight is going to be just on Justin Herbert then, right? If they're not in the CFP mix, if they're in the CFP mix, then there's all this other pressure just on everybody else around them. But if it's just about him, that's a whole other animal for Justin Herbert. Think, about, think, think about this.
0: It took Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold to go ahead of Josh Allen who played at freaking Wyoming and had a pretty terrible was he a junior then or senior? I think it was a I thought he's been there for maybe he gone a a JC, yeah. yeah. He was yeah, he went to the senior bowl. Yeah, whatever. But it took he was statistically poop and he went 7th. And it took Baker Mayfield to winning the Heisman and Sam Darnold who has already felt like the lock number 1 pick or one or two pick still going 3, right? So Herbert, and I think DJ is a good example of DJ's just looking at it like he hasn't truly dove in beside casually watching this. He's just like a scouting director. I look on paper. I see the height, weight, speed. I see the arm strength. I see some comparisons to Josh Allen. I bet, like, you just naturally think, well, he's at Oregon. He's probably a better version. I bet if I just had to bet on the one as we sit here in June, I'll take that guy, right? Yeah. yeah. The other guys, like you said, one guy's maxed out. And say what you want about Tua is he's just really small relative
2: to – I mean, how tall is Herbert? Six four? It's huge. He's, yeah. When you see – John, he is huge. I 64 doesn't even So think yeah. about this. The GMs that have he just 65 to me when I see him.
0: So the GMs that have seen Oregon live and have been on the six, field the six, last I couple he's listed of years six, six,
2: I listed six 66. I take it back. He's massive.
0: Remember was it Elway last year at a Herbert game?
2: Yeah. Wasn't he at the, he was at the bowl game. He
0: like is potato he, bowl? he is so big.
2: Uh, Herbert was at the game in the Bay Area. Was his bowl game. So what, what do you think that uh,
0: what do you think that just random GMs like when Elway see, bumps into Lynch or whatever, and they're just BSing like, God, you should see this kid at Oregon. He's freaking massive, yeah. right? That's just yeah. that's just a conversation of like, God, you got to check this guy out. Who do you think these guys' friends are, right? They're just other GMs, other personnel people. That's what they talk about, you know. So, I would imagine if you just could poll all thirty-two guys, Herbert might be like twenty-five to seven. Is that the right math? Yeah, 32. Would you agree with that? Like, it would probably be eye-openingly high, like how many people would just casually, again, I would say fairly uninformed, but just based on what the buzz, what they've just seen in the guy live, just betting on the come,
2: like, yeah, I'll take that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he will fit the profile of the most basic prospect. Like, I think... I think how Kyler plays this year will affect how people talk about Tua. Maybe not. I mean, you can make the case that everyone's already talking about Tua. He doesn't need Kyler to dominate. I, the NFL. I do think their,
0: their their styles are so different, though. Right? Well, I just
2: mean short, like all short guys. Anytime a short guy succeeds, what if Baker and like, Kyler have
0: awful years?
2: Does that hurt Tua? I think it
0: does. Yeah, I think it's fair to say it does. Now, what if Kyler's rookie of the year and Baker leads the team to the division cha- championship? Then it or, helps him. You know. Yeah. What do you think more likely, both success or both fail, or just one's good and one's bad? Yeah, one's good and one's okay. Like, is Kyler really going to have – do you think Kyler even sniffs like RG3's rookie year? Remember that? Where it's like, oh, my God, this guy's incredible.
2: Yeah, I I just think more often than not when it comes to the NFL, when we think we've seen the future, it's not really the future.
0: Well, think, think about this guy.
2: Right? Would you agree with that? Well, I,
0: I 100% think about that. And I also think this needs to be taken into account. RG3's two offensive coaches happen to be Mike and Kyle Shanahan. Mike is widely viewed by, I know he's kind of negative now, but like most people that follow the NFL like over 45 viewed Mike Shanahan as like the second generation, like Walsh level offensive guy, right? Steve Young would tell you he's probably one of the best offensive coaches ever. And then his son has turned out to be okay. That's, it, I think it's fair to say that there's zero chance Cliff's as good of an offensive coach as those two guys combined, right? Especially Mike, I mean, had been around forever. That was in 2011 or whatever. So he'd been around the NFL for three years. It's probably not even fair to ask. And if you told me Kyler's two coaches right now were Mike and Kyle Shanahan, I'd go, well, this is going to be interesting. But I think the hype, I think the more likely guy to fail is like, God, Cliff is over his head, right? And not even because – I actually am impressed with Cliff. Just as a human, I think he gets a bad rap as being like this party guy because he's such a good-looking dude. Oh, God. I feel
2: feel for him when I hear that, John.
0: But I I just – his resume kind of speaks for itself. In the NFL, you don't just – it doesn't usually work that way, right? The coaches – I mean Harbaugh. No one was shocked that Harbaugh and Pete Carroll had some success. They were so goddamn good. Even Chip Kelly dominated. Cliff couldn't get to 500. And you could say in a conference that, beside Oklahoma, was average as the day is long. And it's not like the game he lost to Arizona State. It's not like he was losing. Well, he he played Alabama and Georgia every you know in the in the preseason. Well, no, he didn't actually check the check the, the who he played. It's like SMU. I, I would actually bet on Cliff failing. That that would be my bet that I would, I would go with Cliff being a disaster.
2: Uh, you mentioned Kyle. We talked about Kyle. How about DJ saying oh, he, he's feeling the Niners' eleven wins? And we've been we 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 kind of throw, started throwing the reasons at him why it'll be hard. But it, it, sometimes you can be, uh, what's the saying? Too far in the forest to see the trees, or something like that.
0: Yeah, just you can't too can't cluttered.
2: see can't see the forest for the trees. Too cluttered. Um and he's maybe he's just going big picture. Hey, I just remember what this guy looked like when he was healthy. He was fantastic. And the team around him now is better. Their offensive line is solid. Their defensive line is improved and it was already kind of deep. So yeah, they're yeah, Richard Sherman will be a year better. Yeah, they're banged up in the secondary a little bit. They gotta overcome that. But they should be better than they were last year around him. And this this coach had the leading tight end receiving of all time. And his quarterback was mostly Nick Mullins. A little CJ Sprinkled. With some CJ Sprinkled, right? <laughs> and they had the most prolific receiving season by a tight end ever. Ever.
0: If I told you that they won eleven games with Kyle Shanahan get a contract extension.
2: With three years left on it? But the, can you imagine the buzz after 11 wins? Yeah, I get he would, right? But I'm just asking just to confirm well, he has three years uh, left. He had, after
0: uh, he had three years left, but again, the buzz like just put three years on top of this, just making another six.
2: Yeah, it'd be a very college extent, like when guys are extended, like when they've got four years left. And it's just like ah, we just got to give him a well, bump because. But isn't it fair
0: to say that Jed's got a little college athletic director overzealous, wanting to be? I mean, and I think Jed just wants this to work, right? Right. Jed wants to be the coach for the next 15 years. You have to think about it. Yeah. 11 wins would. It wouldn't feel exactly the same because times were so shitty and Harbaugh came out of nowhere like a tornado. That 11 wins would not top that. The only way probably to top Harbaugh's first season would be like 15 to 1, like the number one C. Like, I do agree with that. Like, it would be Harbaugh's first season was just so far out of left field and was just like. I mean, they were the number one seed, and they were just so badass. And Alex was throwing like 120 yards. It was crazy. I mean, and Jim I just, was nuts. and Yeah, I mean, you know. he got in a fight with an opposing coach like by week six, remember? Might have even been earlier that with the Lions.
2: Who were who the and guys? And remember,
0: remember in the, in the, I'll vividly remember the video in the locker room where he's going around. He's like, that was a weird, gut check win. And he points, and it's this blonde-haired guy that everyone was kind of down on. Him. And he looks at Alex, and he points. He goes, Clutch! That was clutch, and the place just goes nuts, And you can just feel the the bay, the 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 power of that moment. And then they go to the Who wants to be Who's got it better than us? Who wants to be a winner? Who wants it better than us? Went viral as oh. things like truly started to go on viral. That was one of the things.
2: That yeah. was- who Who are the two guys that were yelling at each other on Michael K show? It's like Al Greco. Is that the guy's yeah. name? Peter Rosenberg, I think. Rosenberg the and the other guy Greco. I like. Greco,
0: that's his name, I do right? too. I, I do, too. Some, the guy tweeted at me when I was, like, making fun of him. He said, by far, he's
2: the, he's awesome. I like him, Greco, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but someone tweeted at, like, this is, like, Haberman and Middlecoff yelling about Kyle Shanahan, whether or not he has to win. That was pretty funny. It was. Yelling in circles. Greco, yeah. How about the but Rosenberg? But it's, different.
0: Like, well, they, they, it's not, they don't always argue over sports takes. Is like, did you just disrespect me on the eye? <laughs> Uh, Did you just say the Brooklyn Bridge is faster to get over than the Martinez? Like, they're arguing over the stupidest shit. Uh, I would say 11-1, and one. and again, in the forest, can't see the trees, whatever the hell that saying is. Can't see the forest for the trees. I'd, I'd be shocked. Now, I would also, back to my Kyle Shanahan argument, I would say, well, yeah, that's he is... Who we thought he was,
2: right? Yeah. You know the other thing about that, if they were to win 11 games, is when that's when – you know what happens when the Niners are good? You know what argument always comes up when the Niners are good? Is, is this a baseball town or a football town? Like that argument only happens when the fo- – well, I guess it happens when one of the teams is great, Giants or Niners. But I feel like it happens more when the Giants – I mean when the Niners are great than when the Giants are great. But maybe we just always have it when one of them's great.
0: You know what I've come back to, like hmm. Greg Pop is saying, the Niners are the biggest deal ever, and I would probably agree with that. You know what we are? We're just a great sport. It's a, it's an elite top five market sports town. We've had a good, we've had a good run in the Bay Area. Yeah, if you're good and you're a legend, you get treated like fucking royalty in this place. Not quite as crazy as like Philly or New York or Boston, maybe. Because I started thinking, what would it take for like the Niners or Giants to send a plane, like the Boston Red Sox sent a plane to pick up Poppy. Like, they had the plane ready immediately. Like it wasn't even a question, right? We're going to pick him up. We're going to save Poppy's life. Right. Do we have someone quite... Like, would Curry be the closest? Montana. Like would the Niners Niner send a plane from Montana if he got shot in, like, a Whistler, Canada or something? Yeah, he
2: wouldn't need it, but, yeah. I mean, not that Poppy needed. But, yeah, I think they would.
0: But it wasn't even about needs. It's like, we got right, this guy right. back. Right, right. He's, he's family. Yes. It feels like Curry might be the only like I it, would Clay get that? Probably. Like if Clay was in a pinch down in like South Africa. Yeah, I mean I play. feel
2: like uh like they Ron Adams get would get it. Like the Warriors <laughs> would just like they okay. would they would spend on that. But let's go this.
0: Kevin resigns. Turns out it's an Achilles or I guess but recording this a little later. You know we know. Uh let's say the Warriors are still really good. And the Giants make a miraculous comeback. I don't know if you've checked Longoria's batting average, but if I was a betting man and he's getting ABs, I think the 200 threshold he might drop under. He's terrible. Does how would you rank them of the teams in the Bay? Well, I'm confused. So the, they're all they're everyone's all good. good. They're all relevant. They're all like in the mix. Not like Warriors locked to win a championship, or not Eddie Bartolo locks, but all just in the mix. What the Warriors will one day become, like probably like the the Harbaugh Niners, a lesser version of that. But like we're going to be in the playoffs, we're going to have a chance. The Giants are like we're going to be a wild cardish team. They're all good, so you're all just God. all their games matter. Yeah. Oh, it's God. so hard. Um, this is just simply football's the biggest. I and feel all like
2: wins. I feel like the Niners are, are one and all that. But the thing that the other two sports have going that football doesn't is just like the every night a game that everyone's watching, right? You just walk by a bar on a Tuesday night and the game is on.
0: But what football has, the other two sports don't, is the buildup for the game. For sure. For sure. And I think if the Niners are good, that means Jimmy and Kyle are good. And to me, unlike NBA superstars... Like, I, I don't—baseball stars are not on that level anymore. A coach and a quarterback, it's so famous now. And I think probably Kyle, just because he's a little easygoing, his fame is somewhat—like, Harbaugh's fame was unlimited just because he was so unique. But I think Jimmy's fame would just be— because that would mean probably he's like an MVP
2: candidate. Like, you you know. I, I, don't, I don't mean to have a cop-out answer here, but I do think part of what makes it hard to answer is that there's just, just some natural differences in what we're talking about here.
0: Like well, there is something
2: to the buildup, and you know everyone's watching. There's also something to to me. There are a few things cooler than just every night. Like this is what baseball has when your team is good. Every night, everybody's watching, and every well, day, everybody's talking about tonight. Oh, it's a, what 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 do we used to call it? A Timmy Day or Bum Day or what? Well, I've forgotten. Remember, it used to be a thing when yeah, one of them would pitch. I I know this though. What was it called, Steph- John? Uh, I I don't even remember. Do you remember? It was like Happy Lincecum Day or something. That was a thing that was happening in the Bay Area.
0: If Steph and Clay are still involved, I would put the Warriors still at number one. Like if you say they are like in three years with like uh you know, I don't even know who else would be on their team, but whoever. It's just Steph and Clay. Like they're their last two raw, like thirty four years old. They're in the Western Conference Finals. Just because their buildup, up and their that's why part of the Giants was such a big deal forever, is like Barry Bonds was part of our life forever. And then, like, even Linscombe, his highs became so high, but then he was a member of that team. And then even by the four, the third championship, it's like Bumgarner had been in everyone's life for five years. So, like, there is something to the buildup. Like, part of the 49ers were so much more popular in, like, 89 than they were in 81. Just like in 94 when they won it, it was a really big deal. Just more people locked in. Like, more people were locked in last night to the Warriors than they were the first go-round. Just like if they win it, if they take a couple-year of hiatus off and then win it again... It'll like stamp the legacy, Yeah. you know, and that that to me adds. That's true.
2: To, I think it has to it has to be a team that people feel like might not like we're not positive they're going to win it all. Like that's when it gets kind of interesting. Yeah, like yeah this I, year the regular season just the regular season. It's just like yeah, we just whatever. Just fast forward to the finals, and I think that affects. Like
0: I, I would argue, you give me Harbaugh and you give me Kaepernick. Yeah, he's going to He's more popular than everyone else. But I also think I think we'd all agree that that was somewhat of an outlier situation, even for the NFL. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know if Kyle and Jimmy quite like resonate, like, cause part of it was like, God, Jim's a little nutty for me, but God, I love him.
2: Jim's right? just like, it always felt like it was just picking fights with everybody and being yeah. weird and just saying stuff all the time. That was nuts. And then there was a huge element in such a short
0: period of time that there was a percentage, even if it was 30%, like, God, I think Alex deserved to get you know game back yeah oh that's right father. that was an
2: incredible story can you get yeah. benched for being hurt That was a wild story that doesn't get talked about anymore but you you can if the quarterback didn't lead you to the super bowl right <laughs> and wins the nfc championship on the road it's such a stupid conversation and we both always agreed like what what what, what do you mean can you lose your job when you get hurt what, what? A, but i do f- think six years later who had the better career alex
0: without hesitation right
2: well I probably should hesitate because Colin did have some incredible Super Bowl wins I I mean well like they're they're two very different careers. like the peak was higher for Colin
0: can I give you a scenario yeah let's say Balky had traded Kaepernick instead of Alex to Andy Reid
2: were you asking would the Chiefs have been better yeah, who accomplishes more. Because Alex accomplished
0: a lot. I think he made the playoffs four to five years, won a couple playoff games. I mean, but Andy is... You Andy would say, well, of... Andy would probably max out Kaepernick, right? And I know Andy loved Kaepernick in the draft. Wow. Because if you would have said, it. when when Andy got Alex, if Balky's, well, are you interested in the other guy? Who do, who would he have rather had at the time?
2: No-brainer, right? Yeah.
0: Without And he loved Alex.
2: Colin, yeah.
0: Would he, I'll give you one. He had the number one overall pick in the draft when he got that, that gig. And that draft, he traded a second round pick for Alex. Cause his first, he's only quarterback when he showed up. That's why they turned around so fast. They got a quarterback. Would he have traded at the time, the number one overall pick for Kaepernick? And if he did, would that even have been viewed as like would the Niners have been viewed it like, why are you giving this guy away? Yes.
2: Yep. That would have been viewed as a win for the chiefs.
0: Like a no-brainer for AD. Like, yep. well, Of course you give the number one pick for Colin yeah, Kaepernick. Yeah, because
2: you could say in those days, is Colin going to be a Hall of Famer? And no one was like, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: I feel like, well, God, I don't know. It's a projection,
2: the, but... One of the
0: worst old takes exposed that wasn't fair, because at the time it was kind of a... It was like, oh, I could see it, is when Jaws said that he thought he could be the greatest quarterback ever. That's right. right. He was the ultimate combination of everything you wanted. And most people were like,
2: yeah, he's kind of right. It, it wasn't even like that out of left field. Well, it was like, okay, even if he's not right... It's an interesting take. It's not just like totally blown out of left field. But you're like, you just
0: put like, he's tall. He's got a huge arm. He can run. You know, he's just, he can win. Right. You know?
2: Yeah, one on the road, like playoff games.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's he had an argument.
2: So, yeah. All right, on that note, until next time. May the peace be with you.
1: After the end of a good fight,